Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Now, so you're not going to tell me that's a remake. Man, that, that's Stevie Wonder. Remember, what was that? I forgot the Stevie Wonder. song, and you're that like, oh, that's, that's the remake. That's not Stevie. That's Stevie Wonder. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. Good morning, everybody. No? No good mornings? I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Keyshawn Johnson. Let's go. Good morning, Mike Tannenbaum. Good morning, gentlemen. Feel like Yellow. I feel like it's a kid's book. You say good night to everybody. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk more about the Rams wild card win with DeMarco Farr in 30 minutes. But we talked hey, about hey. this earlier. Jay, you mentioned, you mentioned the Steelers as a fit for Russell Wilson. Let's bring Mike Tannenbaum back into this. Mike, if you're the GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers, how are you approaching this offseason when it comes to replacing Big Ben? Well, I'm, the verb is scour. I'm going to scour for his replacement. I'm starting with Russell Wilson. Sometimes in sports and our conversations, guys, we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. This is not very hard. Russell Wilson's a great player. We could talk about was he the same this year and all that. But, And I think it's a very basic conversation. And I think you hear this in league circles. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, what they saw with Tom Brady was not only, obviously, the on-field success – but the fulfillment he had off the field where, again, there's a fine line here, guys. He was not the GM of the Bucks, but he had conversations with Jason Light, their GM, and obviously Bruce Arians about meaningful input on what, how they traveled, who to sign. And I'm sure someone like Russell Wilson saying, like, wow, if I could have a partnership with Mike Tomlin where, look, I'm not the head coach, I'm not picking the next offensive coordinator, but I'm going to be viewed as a meaningful piece to the puzzle. I have a seat at the table. And, oh, by the way, we have a championship defense. And if I'm Russell Wilson, wow, what a way for me to have a legacy where I could be a championship quarterback in Seattle and have a real chance, a real chance to win a championship with the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers are good, good opportunity. But I don't see foresee Mike Tomlin and the the Roonies giving Russell Wilson the type of input on decision-making that would – you know, uh, lead them to hiring a coordinator that fits what Russell wants to do, opposed to hiring a coordinator and allowing him to stay in play. Um, I think the Cleveland Browns probably would be a better fit for Russell Wilson, given the fact that Kevin Stefanski is more of a quarterback-friendly system. He's got a strong running game. He's got a couple receivers. He's got a solid defense in a team that had some injuries that I think if he was in Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns would be a totally different football team than they are right now. You see, Mike, I I look at the Steelers situation and say, you know, just adding to what Key said, it all depends on how you have those conversations with a player like Russell Wilson. 
right? So, you can incorporate him in the conversation. It doesn't mean that you need to say you have the final say. The Rooney family, Mike Tomlin, have the final say. But I, we want to yeah. hear your feedback. Guys, I've done it twice. I did it with Chad Pennington and Ryan Tannehill in coach searches. Two guys that we really respected. They weren't picking the coaches, but a couple of candidates very quietly met with them. And when we got feedback from those two quarterbacks, they were not making the decision – but we want to get some insight. And I think there's a way. I mean, that's what management is, right? You want to have people feel like they have a meaningful seat at the table. But ultimately, there's one decision maker. And, and when it comes to picking your staff, it's the head coach. When it's, it comes, you know what's bizarre is why wouldn't you want, like, if Tom Brady's like, hey, I can, uh, Gronk, I want Gronk. And by the way, I think I can get him to come over here. <clears throat> hey, AB, uh, Lenny Fournette can do something for it. Like, wh- first of all, why wouldn't you want those players? And secondly, why? Well, in AB's case, but, but why wouldn't you want someone like Tom Brady helping you out? Like, well, why wouldn't you want Russell? I don't understand why you wouldn't want Russell well, Wilson's input. I, but I think the key point, there are checks and balances here because, you know, players, you know, the old school is players play, coaches coach, front office side. But I think you do want input, and I think you want it meaningfully. But you are going to, if you're Tom Brady, you're not going to look at Rob Gronkowski the way a front office person is who's going to say, how old is he? What's the likelihood of him getting hurt? Who can't we sign? What is his value? Like, there's contextual sort of conversations, but you do want the input. You do want him to help recruit. So, if again, I have a, if I, if I'm in baseball and I have a starting pitcher who's a stud, and he, and he, we sign him as a free agent, whatever, and he's like, I need uh, this is my catcher over there. But the guy's hitting, you know, a buck ninety with no power, doesn't draw walks. I like him when he catches. Okay, fine, go get him. Like, it, well, the, the, you might not get this other catcher, and he hurts your on base, but. It's good for a guy who's the most important piece. All I need to know is Russell Wilson feels comfortable throwing to this dude. Good, go get that. That's dude. fine. You, you're talking about a collaboration, though. You're not talking about right, somebody saying it. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah that's you what, override yeah, him. Maybe yeah, that, that's yeah. what business is, though. Just having a say, having a seat and a say at the table. Yeah, and I think for Tom Brady, again, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but you know, it's clear that you know when he went from New England to Tampa, there was a different sort of way things were done and and his input on things and I'm just saying like if I'm Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers clearly you could be at one spot for so long where you're probably taken for granted in to a varying degree and if I'm Mike Tomlin and I could take Ben Roethlisberger's torch and pass it to Russell Wilson I am not getting off the phone with Russell hey. Wilson I'm getting him the Brooklyn Bridge I don't care what it takes I am making Russell Wilson a, st- a stealer and in my opinion guys you can't overpay greatness so key what would let's say Russell Wilson somehow? I'm not saying it's likely, but let's say Mike T uh, or someone has that point of view on the Steelers, and they land Russell Wilson. Steelers with Russell Wilson next year, how good are they? I think they're a decent football team. I think they they are a playoff contending team. I don't think that Russell Wilson is going to elevate the Pittsburgh Steelers to another level because they got so many holes. They got secondary issues at the corner spots on the island. They've got issues up front on the offensive line. So there's some some steel, some stuff that needs to be ironed out before you can start just attaching Russell Wilson to a team and saying, oh, God, they're going to the Super Bowl. Well, that's a good point. I mean, like, like one of the issues is if you're going to get Wilson, you need to be a team with a lot of draft capital because you're because like if the Steelers – didn't have to move draft picks to get Russell Wilson. If somehow he was a free agent and they could just sign him, then they could address what Key's talking about in the draft. But if you get Russell Wilson, you can't address those things. But that's where it brings the New York Giants to me into the conversation with two first-round picks, right? Or the Philadelphia Eagles with three first-round picks. Like, to me, that's where if you have to give up multiple ones, 
I think Pittsburgh's a really interesting conversation. And maybe you give up a really good young player with a first-round pick. I'm not saying it's Najee Harris, but, you know, there's a couple of players you probably have to, you know, one would probably be painful to give up, but, you know, maybe you do that. Maybe it's a Devin Bush. But if you're the Giants or certainly the Eagles and you're looking at the quarterback position, boy, that's something that becomes even more interesting because if you're Seattle now, you could truly try to rebuild on the fly. Mike, how do you think? You know, the problem – the the problem that you have, Mike, with sending Russell Wilson to Philadelphia is you got a quarterback that's young and Jalen Hurts, and the Eagles aren't ready to make a competitive run with a guy like Russell Wilson. You would just be getting a quarterback and using up those years that he has of good football because your roster from top to bottom isn't quite ready to make that move yet when you got a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts who accounted for over 4,000 yards of total offense in the regular season and didn't play great in his first playoff game, but neither did some of the other quarterbacks like a Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, look, it's it's certainly interesting to me. I, look, I think Jalen Hurts has earned the right to be part of the conversation key, but to me, if we're chasing greatness and we could get Russell Wilson, I, I think it's on a whole nother level. Mike, I did, with the New York Giants – if, let's say, two ones were able to get it done, they probably could get more. But if that were able to get it done, what coach do you think would best be suited for a guy like Russell Wilson in order for that team to be successful? Is that a Brian Flores, you know, here in New York? Yeah, I, look, I, I've said it before, I think Brian makes a lot of sense. You know, BC connection goes back to the Mara family. He's from Brooklyn. Um, back-to-back winning seasons with a quarterback that's not as good as Russell Wilson, obviously. Um, that's certainly one way to look at it. I, there's a number of guys to me that I think in New York you need somebody with experience at that position. I'm looking at Jim Caldwell. I'm looking at Doug Peterson, Dan Quinn. T- now, Todd Bowles, For it's hard to hire, if you're the Giants, a former Jet head coach, but those are the guys I'm looking at. I still don't understand how a guy like Jim Caldwell is not a head coach. A guy is beyond reproach in league circles. He's developed quarterbacks, and Detroit hasn't been the same since he walked out the door. And then the other two guys, Dan Quinn and Doug Pearson, one went to the Super Bowl, one won a Super Bowl. So if I'm the Giants, I'm talking to Flores, Caldwell, and those other two guys. Well, remember, Peyton. Coach Caldwell got sick when he was going to be the coordinator in Miami for Flores. So he's been kind of out of it a little bit, wanting to get back in it now. I'm sure he'll get a number of quiet interviews People will kick the can on it because he is probably, in my opinion, the most qualified head coach that's available. If you know, I'm thinking about it now. I mentioned Sean Payton just now. If is it more important for a team like the Giants, who need a coach and a quarterback, probably, is it more important to land that quarterback or land the franchise coach? Coach, coach. coach I think coach. so too. It's it's it, absolutely. And to me, I want somebody with experience. Like, go back to Sean Payton. Sean Payton got fired by John Fossil. Like, he went through a number of iterations and learned and got better. That's why, like, I agree with what Key had said earlier. I am not hiring Kellen Moore. Let Kellen Moore make more mistakes and learn. That's why, to me, you want to be the head coach of a New York team? Like, come with experience and gravitas. And that, to me, again, goes back to those guys that have done it. Caldwell, Flores, Peterson, Quinn, like, I don't think you have to overcomplicate it. And once you do that, now go get Russell Wilson. You know why? Because Russell Wilson's going to sit there and say, hey, one of those coaches, they've done it before. I know I could win that. It is unreal how many Giants coordinators have 
left the Giants and like starting with Lombardi and Landry, but also Bill Belichick and Sean Payton or or people on the staff. Like the Giants have populated the New York Football Giants have populated the NFL with the greatest coaches of all time that they never made head coach. Be amazing to go get someone kind of like with those roots back in the fold. You know, story for another day, but there's great readings on like Vince Lombardi wasn't the first choice of the Green Bay Packers. Like, it's really interesting, like, when he left the Giants. Like, there's a lot there. Um, but I think there's just a lot to be said for these coaching searches. Like, Rich Bisaccia, like, he's earned the right to have a real seat at the table based on what he did, and he would have been on mm-hmm. zero lists. So I just think teams should take their time, be expansive, be thoughtful. You know, Keith's point about Jim Caldwell's health, obviously you got to check that. But, you know. There's some guys that have done it, done it at a high level that are highly respected, and I think they changed was, the franchise. I find, I find it funny, too. At the beginning of the year, you would have thought Kellen Moore would have been high on people's list, right, about the opportunity or the potential for the Dallas Cowboys, and now you're looking at it saying, nah. The Basaccia thing I was no, just that reading wasn't nothing, on the 33rd that, wasn't team, but a, that was a lot of yeast that was added uh, to – yeah, he wasn't like that. Hey, well, Kellen Moore – man, let me tell you something, Jay, about the National Football League, and Mike knows this. People put a lot of yeast on it. And they, 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 they run with it. The media get a hold of it. And all of a sudden, the next hot, sexy young coach is a superstar. His offense was fifth in the, fifth in the uh, NFL in scoring. And you're sitting there, you're going, but that ain't nothing. That, he, what is he developing? Look at Joe Brady. Joe Brady was supposed to be the next hot shot offensive coordinator. Who's fired? Right, you forgot to add the scruffy beard. Oh, yeah. Hey, Key, Key, you know what else is interesting? If we were all running a team, guys, there is a 0% chance we would hire somebody from college. When you think about Urban Meyer, who's like, say what we want, a Hall of Fame coach in college football, Matt Rule, unbelievable success at Temple, unbelievable success at Baylor, hanging on by the thinnest of That's what you said earlier. Let them go. Everyone needs to learn. Let them learn on someone else's dime. And then once they've learned, you know, make them your guy. So, so... Mike, you mentioned Rich Passaccia. Let's get into the Raiders a little more. All right. The Raiders. <laughs> I think of the decision to move on from Mike Mayock. Uh, I was a little surprised, you know, from a standpoint that it's hard to get a team to the playoffs, even though there's seven, you know. Um, and here's the other thing. If you're trying to make the best argument for Mike Mayock was when they wanted Alex Letterwood, when they wanted Damon Arnett, you know, there's a big track record here of things not working out. Obviously, the tragedy of Henry Ruggs. Was he the guy turning in the card, or was it somebody else? Mm-hmm. And that's really a hard thing when – and I've been in a couple of situations in my career where you don't have final say, and you make these organizational decisions, mm-hmm. and you're going to live and die with them. So we'll never know, and I, I think Mike's an above-the-fray guy, so he's certainly not going to say, well, I wanted player X, and someone else said we're going to take player Y. He was held accountable, and the body of work, when you look at their first-round picks, they, most of them did not work out. Well, a lot of that was John. We all know who 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 it was. Yep. But Mike Mayock was alone for the ride. He was the driver. He was a glorified, as I like to call it, a glorified assistant to the head coach, even though he had the general manager title. That's right. He was not making any meaningful decisions. So that's one of the reasons the Raiders was like, well, what's he here for? I mean, yeah, he was the guy laughing at the bad jokes. Ten years, a hundred million dollar contract. I mean, you knew who had the power right from the beginning on that one. You know what's fascinating though? Like if we were doing a real study on this guy's, when you take out the guy that was making a hundred million dollars, they went to the playoffs. Like 
they were led to the playoffs by somebody else. I hate to say it, mm-hmm. though, not because because Gruden showed you know a real ugly side of himself. Everyone's you know who, who read those those emails. He took over the team. When you look at how they were building this many wins, the next year more wins, next year more wins, and even this year he had a winning record at the time he was fired, and the team went on to have a winning record. He was, to me, trending toward the playoffs. Now, it didn't look to me like it was sustainable. They didn't have great draft picks coming. You know, like they didn't have amazing talent. But he did, you know, given three, four years, I I think he was getting them to the playoffs. But, Max, I I see it totally different, which is like the inverse should have happened if you use your rationale, which is this. If you take that out, they should have plummeted. The fact that when you took that out, they kept going like Like nothing happened. Yeah, Yeah. like like that $100 million wasn't consequential if it was – to use your logic, they would have never won another right. game. If you're talking about it in the context of the contract, absolutely right. They overpaid for the guy. By the way, if you have four years in, a, in on a team and you haven't made the playoffs after four years in, in the NFL, you're sorry anyway. You got four-year runway and you can't make the playoffs? Should be fired. Yeah, right, exactly. So who are they going to target as, as GM and head coach, do you think? Well, you know, there's a couple of, you know, Mark Davis apparently likes to go, you know, big name hunting, and there's a couple of very, very big names that have been successful in the NFL that had a great run at the University of Michigan, and you know, there's some speculation out there like could, could Jim Harbaugh, if he went back to the NFL, that would be a situation. Um, again, if it was my decision, guys, I'll be really clear about this. Like, didn't know Rich Passaccia really well. He's earned the right, um, but by all, it looks like by them making this move with Mike Mayock, they're going to move on. If you look at Mark Davis's track record with John Gruden, to me, he's going to go big name hunting. And if he's going to do that, what bigger name could he get on the market right now than Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, be careful what you wish for, though. Jim Harbaugh ain't for everybody, right? But, but, but Key, I will say this about Coach Harbaugh, which is we saw what happened with Nick Saban, Bobby Petrino, Urban Meyer, Matt Rule. The San Francisco 49ers went nine consecutive years without a winning record before he got there. Mm. And when he got there, he took him to a Super Bowl. So yes. I, th- I think unlike other college coaches, Key, he's a guy that has had oh, success. No question. I, I think he I, I think he should be a coach in the NFL. I'm just saying be careful what you wish for in pertaining to the Raiders. Like the grass he's is always greener Chicago, type thing. Yeah. He's yeah. more of a Chicago Bear type head coach than I think he is a Raider Las Vegas head coach, given the body of work, the, the style in which the, the Raiders want to play. You know, think about how they built the team. And you know about personnel when you're building teams. That team is built for the West Coast. It's not built for rugged, uh, uh, run the football, two and three tight ends. That's not what they want to do. They want to run stick nods and, 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 and spacing and slants on the backside all day long. Yeah. They want to dink and dunk methodically down the field. So when you take over, like Harbaugh could potentially do, does the personnel fit the scheme in which you want to run? Yeah, Key, that's a great point. You know, that, that is totally fair. And it wouldn't happen overnight. And certainly defensively, there's a lot of holes on that defense, which we saw. They have a couple of pass rushers, but, you know, that secondary leaves a lot to be desired. So those are all fair points. Um, I just don't – like, for me, if I'm Mark Davis, like – don't I have to learn from what I saw? Like, I saw a team that stuck together. I saw a quarterback that got better, had great leadership. Like, why are they overcomplicating things? It, uh, Key, I thought where you were going was like, be careful what you wish for is in the grass ain't always greener. Like, no, the, the no, whole, no. Uh, no, I got it. I got it. You were making another point. But I, but I also think the grass ain't always greener. What we know is that the Ra- you need two things in the NFL. You need a coach and you need a quarterback. The Raiders have a coach and the Raiders have a quarterback. And the only question is, 
at what level? How high is that pitched? We know they can make the playoffs. We know they are good. Can they be great? But that's Ma- the only question. And Max, it can go the other way. You move on from Derek Carr. Like, who are you going to get that's going to be better oh, than him? No, he's good. Yeah, I'm not moving on from Derek Carr. And I keep Rich, I keep Coach Passaccio one more year and kind of see how, how the team responds. Like, are we getting better? Maybe that's halfway through the year, Mike. I mean, forever the new GM that comes in, say, hey, this is where it's going to be because our team has actually fought for this guy. And by the way, here's something else that's really interesting, guys, to put a ribbon on this conversation. How do we know that the GM's going to have any say this time around? Like, you know, Maybe Mark Davis believes that I want, you know, John Madden, John Gruden, my dad did it this way, I'm going to do it this way. Maybe it's, as Key said, the senior executive director assistant to the head, you know, like maybe it's just, <laughs> right? Like, like Key, like your point's like to me, like maybe Mark Davis just believes in I want the biggest name I could get and everything goes but through But Key's that point the other day, you made this point last week, Key, I think it was last week, is you need to, like, Jay was talking about order of operations. Get the GM, then get the coach. But the, but the, the point is not what the label is. The point is get the dude who's going to be making the decisions, right? Then right. let him go get his guy. And if we're scouting Mark Davis's decision-making and also his DNA, it all leads to I'm going to get the biggest name I can get, I'm going to pay him as much money as he wants, and then I'm going to come to the games. And if he wants to hire a GM, he hires a GM. But one guy is making the decision, whoever the next head coach is. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Stafford finally got his first playoff victory. Yay! (laughs) And coming up, we're going to tell you why he can stop. He can stop Tom Brady from winning Super Bowl number eight. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. This was a lack of composure for the Arizona Cardinals. I thought David Long's touchdown to be able to put us up 21-0 was was huge for us. Bounces in the pocket. Hit from behind. Flips it forward. It is intercepted. Intercepted. A pick six. David Long Jr. Matthew Stafford has his first playoff victory. You know, what they did in the first half, I think they held him to 40 yards. You know, I think it was one of the best performances in playoff history in the first half. Just proud to be a part of this team. Happy to get one. Looking for more. DeMarco Farr, Rams radio analyst on 710 ESPN LA with your boys now, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Key. (laughs) He always got some jokes. Stop bringing up old stuff. (laughs) Good morning. What's happening, folks? Good. Long time no hear from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a been a been a weird winding road, but here we are. Uh, you know, up one game in the playoffs, heading to Tampa. Yeah, interesting. Was was it a big surprise the outcome of yesterday's game, or did you anticipate going into that game that the Rams would pretty much wreck shop? 
You know what? No, it's not a big surprise. You know, since Sean McVay took the job, they're nine and one. They were nine and one against the Cardinals. So, yeah, I guess I've gotten kind of used to the Rams beating the Cardinals. But you know, I was a little surprised at how bad the Cardinals were and uh, how you know little of a fight they put up. Uh, I'm still looking. I'm looking at the game book now, and it happened during the game, and it just really didn't click. They were down 21 nothing with 35 seconds to go, and you kind of let the, the clock run out on the first half. I get it. It was bad, but this is there is no tomorrow. I mean, how do you let time tick away? It seemed like they waved the white flag there, but uh, not surprised that the Rams beat the Cardinals. I am surprised at how the Cardinals performed, no doubt. DeMarco, how confident are you in this team and their defense moving forward for the Rams? You know what? Um, it was interesting. I, I spent more time worrying about that back end, worrying about the secondary. You just got Eric Weddle off the couch. I mean, 37 years old, and there he is on Monday night playing football. And that just kind of uh, caught me by surprise. But as long as that defensive front, Aaron Donald, Ashawn Robinson, I thought had his best game of the year. Seven tackles led the team. Uh, he's been a guy that's been on the rise, and he has just been a monster. Von Miller is finally rounded into form. As long as that front is playing like that, it doesn't matter what you have behind them. So uh, I think they can carry that over. They played pretty well against Tampa the first time. So uh, going to Tampa versus that offensive line is familiar. So, yeah, I think they can keep that up. Yeah, both sides of the ball. At times this year, they'd been bullied, uh, L.A., the Rams. But we've also seen them be dominant up front on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. Who are they really, do you think? You know what? Uh, outside of San Francisco, I think what you saw last night, uh, that's who they are. San Francisco just has their number. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's Debo Samuels or, or Kittle or the way they look at it. It's just it's a different football team whenever the Rams and the Niners get together. But against everyone else, they look pretty much like you saw uh, last night versus Arizona. Now, that three-game losing streak, uh, the offensive line just kind of got bullied, kind of got pushed around. But it seems like with the emergence of Sony Michelle and you got Cam Akers back, your your starting tailback is back in the lineup. So things are starting to gel along the offensive line, and Sean McVay has a pretty good idea of how to call the game, you know, with with a strong running game behind him. So uh, I think that three game losing streak kind of turned on the light for them. Uh, but I think what you saw yesterday is who they really are on both sides of the football. DeMarco Farr, Rams radio analyst on 710 ESPN LA. Joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. DeMarco, coming into the season, the Rams obviously went out and acquired Matthew Stafford and moved on from Jared Goff, giving up a handsome ransom, two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and a former number-one pick overall in Jared Goff. Has the pressure been eased, so to speak, on Sean McVay, Les Snead, and Matthew Stafford after this big win against Arizona? You know, I guess so. Uh, J.B. Long, our play-by-play man, we were, we were getting ready for the digital show, and he said that was going to be his point of view because, you know, this is what they asked for. You, you made the big trade. You moved on from Jared Goff. You acquired Matthew Stafford. You gave up a King's Ransom, like you mentioned, and uh, it, it all comes down to this. If, if it goes south on you, then you know how it is in the NFL. I mean, people start to talk. They'll point fingers there. This is what you wanted, and it didn't work out. Look at what's happening in Arizona right now uh, with Kingsbury. I mean, they're talking about firing him uh, right now for that collapse. So, yeah, it was big uh, to get that victory. And Matthew Stafford, I thought, played uh, a great football game. Um, he wasn't asked to do much. The defense kind of led the way. The running game paced him. Uh, but he was accurate, and he can throw the ball down the field uh, with velocity. So, yeah, I thought it was big. 
uh, for Les Snead, for Sean McVay, for Matthew Stafford to get that victory in the playoffs and move beyond. Now you got to do it again. Uh, your, 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 your gift for winning in the playoffs is you get the defending champs at their house next week. So it's going to be asked again. But finally getting that monkey off his back, winning that, that postseason game was huge for Matthew Stafford and huge for, for the general manager and Sean McVay. Let's talk about that game next weekend coming up where the Bucks are a three-point favor at home in Tampa. Uh, what does that defense for the Rams need to do? Because obviously a guy like Tom Brady, his decision-making and the timing it takes to get the ball out of his hands so quickly is what he's great at in managing a game. How can the defense, how can the defense make its mark? Well, yeah, it goes back to 99, Aaron Donald. I mean, when he's playing against a guy like Tom Brady, who's going to be in the pocket? You know, he's an older guy. I mean, he's, he's a magician with the football, and he's never going to quit, and he's always going to have answers, and he can get the ball to any spot on the field. But that interior pressure, getting people up the gut, forcing them off his spot, a spot making him reset, uh, that's going to affect Tom Brady. That's how it affected him earlier when they played Tampa Bay. So, uh, that interior pressure has got to be there, and now you're going to add Von Miller on top of that, who is routed in the form, who's playing like Von Miller again. So an all-out pass rush, uh, I wouldn't say stops Brady, but at least affects him. But number one, stop the run, earn the right to rush the passer, and then get after him. And on the other side, you have to help him out. Matthew Stafford can't turn the football over. And you have to keep Tom Brady off the field by running the football and controlling clock. So it's going to take a team effort to beat Tampa Bay much like it did to beat Arizona. DeMarco. Uh, oh, go ahead. Okay, Key. No, I was going to ask DeMarco, who, who do you think the Rams would prefer to see if they beat the Tampa Bay Bucks, the, the 49ers wow. or the Green Bay Packers? Wow, man. I mean, Key, you're, you're dead on. And, you know, that's all anyone could talk about on the way out of the building. Everybody's euphoric. You had a playoff victory, your first victory in SoFi Stadium. It was great. Matthew Stafford got his first postseason win. It was all good. But, you know, when you're talking to the real people, the workers, the ones that are really into, into the game, they were asking the same question, man. Um, it seems like everybody would rather avoid San Francisco and play Green Bay. And I'm like, that's just as crazy because you got Aaron Rodgers. But for some reason, it just seems like the Niners have their numbers. So if you can, avoid them until next season. But, uh, you know, beat Tampa, that's your, that's your first goal, and we'll see what happens. What we're, both, what we're all hoping for is San Francisco and Green Bay beat each other up. <laughs> I mean, really, take it to overtime and beat each other up. But either way, it's going to be – those are both tough matchups for the Rams. That is DeMarco Farr, ESPN, 710 L.A., Appreciate it, DeMarco. Thanks for jumping on with us. All right, DeMarco. No right. problem, guys. Talk to you guys soon. Stop it, Key. No, no, no. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Go go, bake oh, some see? ribs in the oven. <laughs> you got <laughs> so me shell-shocked. I'm hanging up on you now. Goodbye. <laughs> parting shot. I like that, Key. I didn't say anything, and here is the thing I'm going to say. I, I wanted to ask him, and I know we were up against it, but I wanted to ask him, has he ever choked anybody out the way Aaron Donald was trying to get at that lineman last night? <laughs> <laughs> Let's look ahead to the divisional round, Key, shall we? And we'll mm-hmm. tell you why one wild card winner cannot have a repeat performance next week. That's coming up next. Keyshawn J. Willemax on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. In the pocket, step up, firing down the near side. Kelsey at the 20, 15 to the 10, and into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City on a tightrope catch and run of 48 yards on third and 20. Patrick Mahomes yeah. became a full-time starter. I think he got into one game as a rookie. But he became the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, four seasons ago. And they've been in the AFC Championship game every single year he has been the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. And if not for a pre-snap penalty where he never got to touch the ball again, where they really won the game, game over, oh, pre-snap penalty, Brady gets the ball back, he never gets to touch it again in overtime. If not for that, three straight Super Bowl appearances, plus he's got the ring. This would be his fourth if he gets there. They're one win away. So he's only been in the straight. league five years? Five years. Yeah, five That's years. Stupid. But he, he didn't start year one. He was just holding no, the clipboard. I, yeah, I know that, but I, I just – Damn, it just and, uh, when you, and Keith, when you say <laughs> it, it dude. feels different. I go back to the interview this dude did on Uninterrupted where he was literally talking about I didn't, I was still trying to figure out the playbook and all the different schemes for I'm like, wait, what? Sometimes I think With that record, you're still trying to figure out the playbook? I think dudes like Favre, because Mahomes has some Favre in him, and Mahomes, I think they're better off like that at first, <laughs> like just letting them have fun and all that stuff and then learning instinct. on the fly. Yeah, reactions. What would a second Super Bowl mean? For Andy Reid, once Andy Reid got his head, he's like, yeah, McNabb was a beast, but this Mahomes kid, I could do something with this boy. Here is the Chiefs head coach. Yeah, well, if you like chocolate cake um, and you eat a piece uh, and then you have one dangled in front of your face, you're probably going to want to eat that too. Not much is going to stop you. So, I mean, that's how that's how you feel about the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, uh, that, that is the chocolate cake with the ultimate frosting. What? Key jokes aside, because, you know, Andy Reid's a big fat dude. Like, he likes to eat, obviously. But, but jokes aside, it is interesting to me that some people get sated. They get – they're satiated. They no longer – like, that's, they've scratched the itch and the desire is not the same. For other people, it's addictive. They taste that. They need to have it again. 
like yeah. Reed, that makes me more confident that he'll put his team in a better position to win it again. Well, uh, all great players, athletes, coaches, things of that nature, they have addictions to winning. If I want one, I get one, I win one, I need two. If I get two, I'm trying to get the three. If I could get three, I'd be damned if I can't get four. And that that is all. You know what I'm saying? Is it is I got 100 yards, I want to get another 100. If I got one ball, I need two balls. It makes them want it more, in other words. It increases the desire somehow. And and if Andy Reid got a second Super Bowl, it just pushes him up with the the likes of the Bill Parcells is even to you know conversations you know obviously Bill Belichick has more but you get the you get to sit at the table and have that conversation about that debate of who what if what if he had Tom Brady his whole career what if he had this because if you look at his career as a coach you go to Philadelphia and you look at the success that he had with the Eagles taking him to four NFC championship games to a Super Bowl, lost one of those NFC Championship games. And me, that was just a shot at Pat to let him know. And and then you go to Kansas City, and now he's going. Why take a uh, shot at he, Pat? It feels like he's been in the playoffs every damn year he's been in Kansas City. Why do you, you know why what it reminds take me? Take a shot at Pat. What did Pat do? <laughs> Jay, you know what it reminds me of. And you were uh, you were a two-time National Player of the Year, not only a national <laughs> champion, but two. Not very many people ever even get one, let alone two. It reminds me of. Derek Jeter was interviewed by one of the tabloids in New York, and I, I know, Joel Sherman or Steve Serby. I forgot who it was, right? Steve But they Serby. said, what is one – this is years and years ago. He was still active. What's the one thing you don't have that you want? So I started thinking, okay, he's won championships. Blah, 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 blah. He probably wants an MVP or something, right? He's won a batting title. He's won, he said, another ring, right? Like, dudes well, like Jeter don't think – like, what I, do you mean? I, I, just because I, I have four rings don't mean I don't want a fifth. Can I tell you the way I was programmed and we thought about in college? So my, my first year, we lose to Florida. Florida gets all the way to the national championship game, loses to Michigan State. Second year, we win it. Third year, we lose to Indiana. Indiana gets all the way to the national championship game, loses to Maryland, a team we beat two out of three times that year. But each year, it's not about I want more. It's I want this one. Like, I've been fortunate to be around, you know, Coach Popovich. Uh, you talk about – Phil Jackson, Coach K. As soon as we won it, like for like a couple of days, it was fine. Then it was like, yo, we, ha- we have a chance to win this one this year because this year is different than last year. Last year is done. That's over. A lot of guys act like that never even happened. Like media, we love to frame conversations like, oh, defending champions. But some of the best people I know who are competitive-wise don't look at themselves as champions. They're hunting a championship. It's always in constant pursuit of that champion. So, so here's a philosophical question. Like, Key, I think about, and Jay, I want, like, I think about how often we point to sports as, as containing life lessons, right? Man. And we look at successful athletes as examples, as role models. Like, this is, this is a good life lesson. You should live your life like this. And in many respects, that's true. That's true. But, Key, like that kind of relentless pursuit maybe is not healthy. Like maybe that's not the best. Do you have any thoughts about that? About, about like applying the, like how people look to that kind of mentality and think, Oh, I should emulate that. Is that something to be emulated? Well, you, you want to be successful. You always want to try to emulate success. The only time it's not healthy is because you become possessed with it. You become, entrenched and that's the only thing that you know and you do and you want to know 
you know, even as a player myself, it became unhealthy for me because I, I was I couldn't sleep. It was just I, I needed to hurry up. It was like I need to get back at it. I need to get back at it. I need to try to chase this. I need to chase it. I need to chase it. Where you you breathing, working, eating, <laughs> sleeping, breathing, working, eating, sleeping. That's all you do. And so that's like Tom Brady. Like when Tom Brady decides to retire, he done missed out. Well, not necessarily missed out because he has kids and stuff, but imagine how much of that life, just normal life, that he's missed out on because he's so relentless at becoming the best that there ever was. But then in a way, you also look at how much he's gained, right? Like So like there's this counterbalance, so Max. Like, yes, in one aspect, you have missed a lot. But there is something to be said about mastering something, mastery of something. And when you can look your opponents in the eye on a day-to-day basis and be like, I know you don't put in anywhere close to the damn work I put in. You know that the you know like how people say jack of all trades, master of none, none. Yes. right? Um, but and but but it's compared to still what is it? Still not as good as a master of one, right? In other words, like everyone takes jack of all trades to be oh that's what you want to be. No no no, it's still better to be a master of one. one. Damn and right. and. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It, it. it requires, I'm sure, like, you know, everyone, enormous sacrifice. There's a movie called Searching for Bobby Fisher about a chess prodigy who, at a certain point, his parents have to decide, like, wait, are we going to try is, Are we gonna try to make him pursue this gift to become the greatest player in the world? And they are like, you know, spoiler alert, nah, like, let him be a normal kid because it's hard to live a normal life. And I, I don't think you can and be Tom Brady. No, you, you, you can't. You can't live a normal life and be Andy Reid or Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells or any other great ones that followed that is just relentless at doing it. The thing is, all those people that I mentioned, they get results. There are people that try to emulate them that get zero results. <laughs> they, they go to the work office at 4 a.m. in the morning and they, go back, they don't go back home till midnight, but yet and still they're under 500 in their record. So. So, so some of it's just natural aptitude. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I could practice all I want my whole life. I'm never making no NFL or NBA. That's yeah, I don't think so. I don't think you. I don't think you're gonna make the roller rink team as a what? Yeah, right. As maybe that's debatable. <laughs> hey, Max, you might have not even made the Thunderbirds no. roller skating. No doubt. <laughs> I'll bet you, though, you put me in, a, in Pop Warner, I'll do some work, Put son. in work in Pop what? Warner, son. Kids don't want it with me, except some of those kids are kind of big and fat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Keyshawn, J. Oh, Will, and Max. Lord. All right, y'all. We are uh, – we actually get I'm headed to. I'm headed to second take. Second take. There it is. Uh, lies, 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 and more lies. Keyshawn, yeah. J. Will, and Max, we are back tomorrow, of course. We got Mel Kuyper Jr.'s first mock draft. Better see two offensive linemen in the first round for the Giants. They're not ready for anything else yet. Just stack. By the way, uh, Greeny is coming up right now. Just sit right there. He'll be with you. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.